College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at a $1,000 savings plan deposit for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You work for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo right here, 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden, New York City. Special episode this weekend on WPHT 1210 Philadelphia. And we're going to talk about the crime that's going on in Philadelphia. We're going to talk about this uh, transgender swimmer from Pennsylvania. We're going to talk about mask mandates that are back in New York City and a whole lot of other stuff. I want to start off with uh, Larry Krasner in Philly. He says that there's no crisis of crime. Of course, all out crazy AOC. She also says that there's no crisis of crime. Of course, if you're looking at crime the way that Jussie Smollett describes crime, you realize, man, that stuff is fake. It's phony. It's fraud. So we can't pay too much attention to that. But I want to get into just some of the craziness that's going on because Along with all of this stuff, you've got individuals, not just transsexuals that are swimmers, and I'm going to get into that, but you've got others. There's a teacher, somebody sent me a video of a teacher that feels it's his job to create a queer space for his students. This is very bizarre, and I will share it on social media, at Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez with an S on all the social media. I want you to check it out, but I'm going to play you some audio. It's about 20 seconds, maybe a little bit um, over 20 seconds. It's just remarkable that this is actually happening in public education today. Listen to this. I teach high school, and most days of the week I come to school in stilettos. I get to stand at about six foot six. Um, and the reason why is so I can create an explicitly queer space for all of my students. That way they know that this place is a place for them, by them, and because I never had one of those growing up. So, yeah, bit of a beast. Okay, so he's a bit of a beast. This is a six-foot man that's putting on six-inch women's high heels, and they're studded. It's just bizarre that this is the way he chooses to dress, but okay, that's how he does it. But he's making videos and it's being encouraged. And I'm sure that people, well, I don't have to be sure. This thing has 6,248 likes, 230 comments. And that's as of last night when I got it or earlier today when I got it. Hmm. Does that make a ton of sense? This is what we're facing right now in our culture. There's a definite culture war going on. And it's like, nobody cares. Nobody gives a damn. Now you've got this trans woman meaning a biological male from the University of Pennsylvania. Swimmer Leah Thomas has been complaining about loss of muscle and strength due to hormone treatments and says she's nowhere close to her previous best. It says that competing on a women's team is fair. Leah Thomas, 22 years old, gave an interview to Swim Swam discussing her hormone treatments 
which have caused a loss of muscle and strength over nearly two and a half years as she's transitioning. The transgender swimmer also believes that she does not have an unfair advantage over other women. Now, this is, I'm reading this verbatim from the Daily Mail. Thomas smashed three U.S. swimming records at Akron, in Akron, Ohio at a contest over the weekend. An anonymous female University of Pennsylvania swimmer said that she and her teammates are upset by the transgender teammate. Who wouldn't be? In an interview with sports website OutKick, the unnamed teammate noted that while Thomas is already breaking school meet records, she may soon be shattering world records. The aggravated teammate also claimed that swimmers have discussed their frustrations with their coach, Mike Schnur, and he just said, hey, they really just like winning. Thomas previously competed for the school's men's team for three years, getting no recognition before joining the women's team. And her last competition as a man was two years ago in November of 2019. And I'll, I'll tweet out this article. That Those are just the headline highlights for the article. There's a lot more. But this is, a, again, another situation where we're going to now applaud a man to go through some medical transition to try and become a woman, a transgender woman, to compete against biological females. Is this not putting your thumb on the scale? Is this not exactly like saying, hey, we're going to force you to vote by mail so that we have more control? I mean, I think it's it's a plausible next step, right? <laughs> it's it's uh, You can go a step in either direction with this stuff. This sounds like cheating. And it sounds like we're trying to legalize cheating in the name of something. Legalize cheating in the name of coronavirus. Legalize cheating in the name of transgenderism and equality and equity. The whole thing is fake, it's phony, it's fraud, it's bogus. Now, listen, I'm not saying that gender dysphoria is fake or bogus. I'm sure that there are people that suffer from a mental illness and and go through this. And if you're listening to this and you disagree with me, forgive me. Please be tolerant of my views. I'm tolerant of yours, despite my disagreement. But the reality here is if you've got children that play sports, you want them to play against their peers. It's bad enough you complain when, you know, if your kid's like a regular height kid and there's some, you know, giant kid that's just gigantic, right? Six foot in the second grade. That happens and parents complain about that, but at least that's how they were born. It's just a big boned kid. In this situation, this case, you've got an actual man. This is the type of thing that I think really causes problems, that really makes things unfair because they're really tipping the scales in their favor, in their direction, and, and it's, uh, it's just shortchanging the others. Just like when Philadelphia District Attorney Larry Krasner says that he's now looking to clear the air after his no crisis of crime comment, because clearly after 521 homicides, I think Larry Krasner owes some apologies. And I mean, I do this exercise at least once a week. I'll just type in Philadelphia into Google and then hit the news tab and just see the headlines. And they're all over. You've got people, the families of victims asking for apologies. The teen son of a pizzeria owner shoots a would-be robber on 15th Street in Spring Garden. Krasner looks to clear the air after his stupid comment. The real story behind Philly's violence epidemic. I mean, 
this is, <laughs> it's every story. The next story. District attorney backed by George Soros in Philly shows startling lack of empathy towards Philadelphians. Yeah, I agree with that too. If you know that you've got people that are killing people left and right in the city that you're in, why on earth would you continue this no cash bail policy where you keep putting criminals back on the streets? And of course, this is uh, in the um, Washington Examiner. In a year where Philadelphia continues to suffer record homicides, the city's DA says, well, you know, we're not having this crisis of crime. Of course, this comes after there's now 523. Excuse me, I understated it. 523 murders this year alone. Previous record was 500, and that was set over 30 years ago. So Philadelphia now has its bloodiest ever. And I'm sure you're hearing this wall-to-wall in the city. They mention it, and they keep going. Because there, there's bigger things to talk about, like why Jussie Smollett is being treated the wrong way. right? I was listening to some... I, I like hip-hop music. I know not everybody likes hip-hop music, but I do. And I listen to the hip-hop morning show listening for music. And, you know, the latest on what's happening in that genre of music. And when I hear people saying, well, you know, it's really messed up if they put this guy in jail for breaking the law. It's incredible they even found him guilty to begin with. And I think, why? Their argument? Well, because, you know, he's a black man and he's a gay black man. And because he's a gay black man, he should get a pass, not by that virtue alone, but because... Kyle Rittenhouse was found not guilty. So if Rittenhouse was found not guilty, then we have to find Juicy A. Smoulier. As Dave Chappelle says, we have to find him, Jussie Smollett, not guilty. Where and how that logic is rooted, I have no clue. I don't think anybody can really explain that. But this is the warped, twisted pattern of thinking that is espoused by the left. And if, if they're left to their own devices, they eventually become so radicalized they can hurt people i.e. Larry Krasner being so ineffective at his job that he's allowing the system to just destroy itself, allowing criminals to take over the streets. The inmates are running the asylum. This is not good. Not good at all. This is enough to stress anybody out. That's why I use Noom.com. I get stressed out. It goes to stress eating right away. I'll end up at some drive-thru at one of my favorite Spanish restaurants. I love to eat, but I've lost 50 pounds, and I keep it off by watching what I eat. And one of the best ways to watch what you eat is to log it into an app. The app that I use is Noom, N-O-O-M. Noom.com slash This Is America will get you a personalized trial. So check it out if you have a couple of seconds a day to just check in, jot it down. You could use it anytime, anywhere, and really not a couple of seconds, but it's a couple of minutes. You can dedicate that towards your health, staying on track, managing your uh, hydration, which is key, making sure you drink enough water, all of that good stuff. This stuff is backed by science and it's available to you whenever and wherever because it is an app. So what are you waiting for? Plus, you get a coach. You don't want to miss this. Go to Noom.com slash This Is America. Noom.com slash This Is America. Now, of course, AOC also downplays crime, and I want to talk a little bit more about that. Plus, this all happens because people get stressed out and they don't rely on their faith. I think it's so important that people rely on their faith. And uh, our friend Kaylee McEnany, former White House press secretary, is going to join us and give us a bird's eye view of her latest project. So don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. More to come straight ahead. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. This is America. 
This is America. College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at a $1,000 savings plan deposit for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America. The 45th President, Donald Trump, thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good. It's an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back. I got so caught up listening to the music. I said, oh, my gosh. It's my turn. I'm forgetting it's my turn. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S on all the social media. And I want to switch gears a little bit to some of the national topics that are going on because, you know what, there's a lot going on nationally that I think we missed the boat on because we're looking at some of the other national headlines like good old Jesse Smollett. But there's things happening that have either national impact or are happening uh, across America that I, I want to take a look at. And one of the things that I look at today and this broke on Friday on Associated Press. 55 dead after truck smuggling migrants crashes in Mexico. So they were making their way through Mexico. I say to this, Joe Biden has more blood on his hands. These people were making their way to the open border. And I don't even like the term open border because I realize the Border Patrol's down there and they're doing a, an amazing job. But they're hamstrung and they've got their hands tied because they've changed these policies to allow asylum to include pretty much everything. Hey, I'm really poor. I'm not doing great. I'm in a country that's really crappy. Great. Come on in. And we'll talk a little bit more about how that eventually plays out because I don't think it's going to work great for the Democrats. I think everybody thinks that there's some sort of guarantee that if you bring people from South America into the United States that they're automatically going to vote as Democrats. Uh, I think people have choice and they're coming here for something better and they're going to find that thing that's better. And it may not be what the Democrats have in mind, but this happened in Tushla. I think I said that right. Like Tuxtla, T-U-X-T-L-A, Tuxtla, Gutierrez, Mexico. Rescue workers arriving at a road incident in southern Mexico found a horrific scene. A tractor trailer jammed with as many as 200 migrants. Wow. Crashed into the base of a steel pedestrian bridge, killing 55 people now and injuring dozens more. The trailer tipped over. They were tossed all over the place and crushed in a pile. Oh, my gosh. That's horrible. There's living and dead in this pile. Absolutely horrific. This is on Joe Biden. Joe El Baboso Biden. This is on Kamala, like I like to call her, Kemala Eres Harris. Our borders are. 
This is happening because people are saying, you know what? I want a piece of that American dream. And Joe Biden's saying, sure, come on down. And while you're at it, leave your vaccine in your home country. You're good. You get a pass. I might even give you a half a million dollars on the way in. What's going on at the southern border is absolutely insane. People try to justify it and make it seem like we're helping. Who are we helping? We're hurting a whole lot of people. 53 dead bodies, 55 killed, excuse me, on their way to our southern border. All because of Joe Biden and his feckless ineffectiveness in border policy. Now, some people might say, Rich, come on, you're giving him too much credit, saying he's ineffective. He's actually being nefarious and he's doing this to hurt people. It very well may be the case. I don't know. It's so blatant. I've got no proof. But if I had to guess, I'd say it's a little bit of both. I'd say it's a little bit of both because Democrats like to do things with fire. On my last podcast, I, I alluded to that just a little bit in the fourth uh, segment. And it, to me, it's, it's so important that we recognize that Democrats thrive in chaos It's part of their Marxist playbook. They love that stuff. You get freaked out. You see a little fire. You see a little smoke. And you're like, man, let me steer clear of that. And they use this onslaught of of illegal border crossers to jam up the system, to cause some chaos, to wreak a little havoc. And that's where we're at. Overwhelmed. Overwhelming the system. Not good, no bueno. We need to go towards virtue. As Americans, we have to focus on virtue because that's ultimately what the founders said we'd need for our constitution, our constitutional republic to work is that virtue always be part and parcel of this American experiment. The minute that it's not, and I dare say we've been there for quite some time, and if we don't see a revival towards morality, towards godliness, towards all things good and holy— and, and notice the difference and the distinction between the two, we're screwed. If we don't get back to that, it's going to be a very, very tough turnaround here in America. Anyway, I want to talk about faith. I want to talk about family. I want to talk about all of that stuff with Kaylee McEnany, former White House press secretary, and you guys know her from the Fox News channel on Outnumbered. So don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right there. Straight ahead, Kaylee McEnany joins us right here on This Is America. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. He's making podcasting great again. This is America with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. And we got a special treat for you. I promised you in the first segment that she'd be here to talk about her book and more so really the faith journey because I think the faith journey is what it's really all about for so many people. And let's not wait, right? Let's get into it. The book is For Such a Time as This, My Faith Journey Through the White House and Beyond by Kaylee McEnany, President Trump's former press secretary. And you guys know her from Fox News is outnumbered every single day. Make sure you don't miss that. Kaylee McEnany, welcome to This Is America. Thank you so much. Great to be here. You got it. Let's, I guess, dig right in. The um, impetus for the book, what was it that made you say, I'm, I'm going to write a memoir, but I'm also going to focus that memoir on my faith? Well, faith is a critical part of my journey. It's what I turn to in the tough times, especially. And, you know, when I think about my time in the White House, it's... Um, woven within that, that I turn to my faith. Obviously, it's a 
high stakes moment to work in the West Wing. I had a great time working for President Trump, but there were certainly trials and tribulations, uh, like the president getting COVID-19 or my first press briefing. And at those times, I turned to my faith. And I, I believe I had a successful tenure as press secretary, and we had a great, strong and successful administration that accomplished a lot for the American people. But all of that's only made possible uh, because of the person who I relied on uh, to keep me at peace during some of the tougher times. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that really strikes me from what you're talking about is uh, obviously, yeah, it's a tough job, right? It's like going into a den of vipers every single time. And when you look at how you handled it with a lot of grace, in my opinion, and a notebook, right, that binder was critical because you it showed that you were prepared. You knew exactly when so-and-so you had to think three steps ahead and what's this guy going to say or what's so-and-so going to say? And, and you know, and you don't have to comment on this, but it's so interesting to see how different it is now. And how everything is just so flippant. And it's like, well, you know what? Yeah, too bad. Too bad. And I'll circle back and too bad. And, and it's just like, you know what? You're really not doing a great job representing the people, right? Being the people's spokesperson in the people's house. So uh, just so interesting to see that um, that distinction. Now, I guess pick a story, and you've probably been telling a lot of these lately, but pick a story that really stands out in the book that you'd like the listeners to know about. Yeah, I think a good example of me turning to my faith was the day of my first press briefing. You know, I had done all of the preparation uh, that I could. You know, I went to Harvard and Georgetown and Oxford. So for me, meticulous preparation and footnotes and sourcing um, was the background I had come from and intense research. So I had done all of that. I woke up the morning of my first briefing, May 1st, 2020, and I listened to a Joyce Meyer sermon about faith faith over fear. I tweeted out Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, and I listen to Christian music and I get to work and I'm still very nervous. And Sarah Sanders, my predecessor, texted me a list of advice when I took to the podium and the most important of which was pray. Um, and she told me that she read her Jesus calling exactly uh, or before each briefing. And so she sent me her Jesus calling from May 1st, 2018, exactly two years prior to the day of my first press briefing. And in that Jesus calling, it said that God essentially has a plan for your path and not to worry. But I worried a lot to the point of being in tears before yeah. I was supposed to take to the podium. And uh, my my assistant, Wendy, and friend runs in and says, you can't be crying. You've got to be at the podium. And she put my parents on speakerphone. We said a prayer together. I went to the West Wing bathroom, said a prayer on my knees there. Uh, and then I went back, saw the president, Jared Kushner, Mark Meadows, the vice president who went like this to me and said he'd been praying for me and said he loved the verse Philippians 4.13. And when I took to the podium, I went from just being in tears down the hallway in my office to having a total serenity that was only made possible because of millions of Christians in our country praying for me. All right. It's the peace that surpasses all understanding, right? And it came yeah. through. It was clutch in that moment. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's excellent. So tell us about your transition into TV world. Yeah, it's been fun. I get to see my daughter, baby Blake, a lot more. Fox News is a great place to work. It's like a big family there. Um, I really enjoy it. I get to sit on the couch every day by Emily Campagno and Harris Faulkner and the great outnumbered team. And we break down all the issues. We talk politics, but we also talk cultural issues. And it's just a lot of fun. We have a great time. We genuinely love each other as friends. And I think that comes across on uh, on the screen. So it, it's been fun. You know, it's different. It's a different speed in the White House. You work a lot, but it, it's totally different in the private sector than in the public sector. Yeah, I, I bet. I made a transition from from government life to to the media world. And it, it is in many ways better and more fun and all of that because government life is just very hectic at times. Yeah, and it's 12 o'clock. 
So yeah, it right, you know, it doesn't well, end. Exactly. Like I got to go home to my family on weekends often, but the work never stopped. It was constant. And we're on with Kaylee McEnany. The book is For Such a Time as This, My Faith Journey Through the White House and Beyond. Now, my question for you, Kaylee, is what is the, um, I mean, you're in media, you're doing great in media. What is your next step? Well, I don't really have any next steps other than hopefully staying at Fox. I mean, I, I love it there and it's been great. Um, I've loved my first year, more to come. I'll, I'll stick with Outnumbered. So, you know, we'll see. You never know where life's journey takes you. I, I never thought I'd go from being a White House intern in the Bush administration, watching Dana Perino stand at the podium to yeah. one day, you know, just over 10 years later, standing at the podium myself in the Trump administration. So you never know where life takes you. But my immediate plan certainly is to stay at Fox. I have a great platform, uh, can do a lot of good um, using my platform and and share my faith and inspiration with people. And I'm, I'm really enjoying that each and every day. That's excellent. I guess I'm going to give you a final word just so that you can kind of wrap it up. And I guess let everybody know what what the big takeaway is. And I think you've done a great job of that thus far. But what the big takeaway is uh, for the book for such a time as this, because I think it's so important, you know, kind of what you just mentioned, your story, you're uh, in the West Wing bathroom on your knees, uh, calling out to the Lord. Fantastic. And I think that's a model for life in general, right? Like there's always crises in life and we lean on the Lord. But I think there's there's more in in the book right there's more specific examples so i guess give us the grand takeaway yeah the grand takeaway is the title um and it's for such a time as this which is an obvious reference to the book of esther esther 4 14. in the case of esther she was put in a specific time and place to do a rather remarkable thing she stood up to the king and save the Jewish people because she was bold and courageous um, and, and she saved them. And she obviously has done more for history than I will ever do uh, doing something as magnificent as that. Nevertheless, um, you know, that phrase I think is applicable to me and us all. And that phrase came to me when I was nervous to take the job before I had even started. I'm about to go to DC in the middle of COVID-19. And my dad said to me, you know, maybe you were made quote for such a time as this. Several weeks later, a Democrat commentator separately said to me, Kaylee, maybe you were made for such a time as this. And I was like, whoa, this is the first time I'm really hearing this phrase presented to me by two different people in a short span of time. And God wants me to hear that. And then it occurred to me in writing this the same way he wanted me to hear that message. He wants all of your listeners to hear that message, no matter what's going on in your life. If you're sick, if you're going through a, a downfall in your marriage, whatever it may be. You're, you're in a circumstance for such a time as this and ask God how to use the bad and turn it into good and use your life for his broader purpose. So uh, that's the whole message of the book, hence the title. Excellent. The book is For Such a Time as This, My Faith Journey Through the White House and Beyond. That's Kaylee McEnany. Make sure you pick up a copy. Pick up two because it's Christmas and you want to give one away. And you can get those on Amazon.com or wherever you're getting books nowadays. Is there a specific website that you want to drop for the book? Yeah, look, you could go to Amazon, but a lot of people say, can I get a signed copy? Yes, at um, kayleebook.com. Um, and some people say, is it on audio? Yep, you can get it at Apple, on Audible, wherever, Barnes & Noble, Target, wherever books are sold. So you can grab a copy, and I, I think and hope it will enrich you and you'll draw some inspiration from it. Get two copies, Kaylee. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Rich. Good to join you. My pleasure. All right, straight ahead, more to come. Don't move a muscle. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. In times like these, it's so important that we focus on the facts. I always tell you to focus on the facts. I think you hear that everywhere you go, and that's because facts are irrefutable. It's the bottom line. It's the real deal. And in times like this of uncertainty, we need to rely on the facts. 
I get my facts from JustFacts.com. That's F-A-C-T-S, JustFacts.com. Go to JustFacts.com and sign up for their newsletter. JustFacts.com forward slash rich. Just put my name in there and you'll get it for free. JustFacts.com slash rich. Mr. Call Screener, who is a budding radio star, by the way. Richie Valdez is terrific. This is America. He's brown, he's bald, and he's breaking it down. This is America with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. And great time speaking with Kaylee McEnany. I really enjoyed uh, what I've read of the book. It's terrific. Definitely check out Grabbing a Copy. And I want to talk about all of the other craziness that's going on across the country. Because we really are in a uh, crisis of stupidity and systemic corruption coast to coast. It's happening everywhere we look. This is what's going on. Look at New York City. You've got an outgoing mayor, Mayor Bill El Bobo de Blasio. He's leaving and he decides we're going to put in another mandate. Now, to add insult to injury, forget the mandate that now requires five-year-olds to have proof in order to go inside McDonald's and enjoy a Happy Meal. You also now have a mask requirement that just went into effect on Friday. I mean, the things that are happening in New York City to me are just, they're just striking. It's amazing to me that this is actually what's happening. And cities like Philadelphia and Chicago and Miami and Los Angeles, they follow suit. L.A. and New York City tend to lead the way each and every time. That's just always how it's been because that's where the leftists have been congregating for a very long time. Now, there's a couple items that I wanted to get to that had to do with what we talked before about immigration and how they kind of tie everything into the good old Hispanic vote. Get all the illegal aliens you can because they'll eventually all be Democrats. I just don't see that being a reality. I know a lot of Hispanic people. My, my parents were born in Puerto Rico. I've grown up around Hispanics my whole life, all types of Hispanics. And one thing I can tell you is they're very hardworking people that have a strong faith tradition. They like to go to church. They like to work hard. They don't necessarily want to thrive in, um, in a socialist totalitarian system. Many of them are escaping that. And that's why I know this isn't something that's always palatable. Now, if you're coming from a very destitute place like El Salvador, Guatemala, uh, Honduras, then I could see how coming to the United States and getting some support looks really appetizing. So they can try and buy their way. And that's what they've done. The, the Democrats have bought their way into the Hispanic Latino community for a century, at least but the problem arises now is that I think many of them realize, you know what, that may be helpful when you're a first generation person that's leaving a place that may not be, um, you know, even in part of the developing world, you know, like parts of El Salvador, considered third world. But once they're here and they realize, you know, do I want to collect a welfare check or would I like to start a construction company or open a taco food truck or a Puerto Rican restaurant or uh, a Cuban um, spot, you know, in Calle Ocho in Miami? More money there, doing things that you like, enjoying your recipes, your culture, your tradition. So I think they've really missed the boat on this. And if you look at this Wall Street Journal article, and it's got a poll in it, it says Hispanic voters now evenly split between parties. 
This is according to the Wall Street Journal. Now, I'm not going to read the the article, but basically it's tied like 37% with 37% of Hispanics saying that, you know, they, they like either party and or either candidate. When this was once incredibly lopsided, like 70-30. And the reason being because people realize, especially in the last four years when Trump came in and said, let's roll back some of these regulations. Let's let the small business owner, who I like to call el bodeguero, right, the, the bodega shop owner, Let's let these guys make their money. Let's let them do their thing. And when you create a scenario where people are empowered and enabled to earn money, they will. But when you take money or you create regulation and there's too much red tape, then it becomes very difficult to do that. So many people are surprised. I'm not surprised because I think Hispanics might speak Spanish, but that doesn't mean that they don't understand a good thing when they see it. And people realize that America is a good thing. It's a great thing. That's why they come here. That's why so many of them become citizens. Now, speaking of citizenship, this is interesting because regarding citizenship, you've got this whole New York City vote yesterday that passed the New York City Council. Now, while you may have heard me talk about my friend Vicky Palladino, who's been elected to the New York City Council and others, you know, there's a few Republicans that were elected. It wasn't enough to stop it. And minority leader, leader Joe Borelli, New York State GOP chairman Nick Langworthy and others had invited me to stand with them on the steps of New York City Hall to push back against this about a week ago. Because they saw this coming and they vowed, if this happens, we are going to sue because the right to vote only belongs to citizens, not merely a resident of New York City, but a citizen of the United States, then a resident, right? So if you're a citizen of the United States, but you live in California, you can't just come and vote in a New York City election for mayor. You've also have to have been a resident of the city of New York. So there's a residency requirement, but the main criteria is that you are a citizen, Because if people want to vote, all they have to do is become citizens. It's that simple. It's not that hard. A lot of people fail the citizenship exam. Like, citizens actually fail it. I've seen some of the quickest. They don't know their history. They don't understand America. They have poor civics education, poor social studies history. And that's part of the problem. And I'm not blaming the individual so much, although I think it's incumbent upon us to learn as much as we can. But I'm really blaming the system. The system run by the Marxists. The system run by the Democrats that creates more schools like the guy that we opened up the show with. The teacher that said, I'm a teacher every day to come and wear six inch stiletto heels so that your kids can have a queer space. Isn't that why we send our kids to school so they can have a queer space? So thank you, sir. Of course not. It's absolute insanity to think that parents are sending their kids to school so they can learn from this six foot six gay man that they should be wearing women's high heels as a teacher in school. That's just not the point of sending your kids to school. And I think everybody knows that and everybody recognizes that. But yet that's where we are. So, hey, what are you going to do? Too bad, right? No, it's not too bad. We have to continue to fight back. And some people are like the editorial board and the uh, Miami Herald. It was a really good op-ed that they wrote, an editorial. And again, I, I won't read the whole thing, but I'll read you a couple of lines from it because it was clear. And the headline is, The Latinx community doesn't want to be called Latinx. Just drop it, progressives. And I thought that was pretty funny. And says, dear progressive politicians, pundits, and media friends, stop trying to make the term Latinx an actual thing. Trust us here in Miami, where Yatu Sabes means you already know. We drink cafecitos and parental discipline is usually delivered with a chancleta. That's uh, a good old (laughs) flip-flop. 
And it goes on. It says, you know, you guys are acting like mean girls trying to turn fetch into the next cool slang word. So we'll channel our best Regina George to say, stop trying to make more Latinx happen because it's not going to happen. We're not the only ones saying that. The so-called, quote, unquote, Latinx community doesn't even want to be called Latinx. That's defining in a new national poll by Bendixson and Amandi International, a Miami-based Democratic firm focusing on Latino issues. And they mean Latino. Outreach. The survey of 800 registered voters of Latin American descent was conducted in mid-November and found that a meager 2% described themselves as Latinx, the gender-neutral term. And they preferred to be referred to as Latinx, according to media reports and political speeches and whatnot. The term is so unpopular that no matter the age or political affiliation of respondents, they still said no thanks. I'm going to explain why, and you probably noticed already, but similar to other languages that are based on Latin, Spanish is divided into masculine and feminine nouns. It's very difficult to have an actual conversation in a language that is gendered to use their term to say, I'm, I can't say I'm a Latina because I'm not a girl. I have to say I'm a Latino and that's how the language is built. So to try and call someone Latinx is an attack on the language itself saying, Hey, there's something wrong with your language that is gender specific. And nobody likes that. The whole point of calling someone what they are is to be proper. And this is an attempt at making it improper. Just the way changing the vote to allow non-citizens to vote in New York City is the same exact thing. Same exact thing. You cannot just say, hey, your citizenship is worth nothing. That is an attack on citizenship. It's an attack on the United States. It's an attack on everybody that came here as an immigrant and worked hard and fought to get to where they were generation after generation, whoever they are, whether you're black or brown or white or any other color, right? The black and brown that are here, if you were black and you've been here in America for a long time, guess what? You have family members that were slaves that couldn't vote. So now you're a citizen. Now you can vote and you're going to allow someone that's not a citizen to have the same authority and power without paying that same price. At least hold up your hand and swear to the American flag, pledge your allegiance and become a citizen to have that right. This is an attack on every ethnic minority, every minority, everybody in the white majority, everybody everywhere. Every citizen of the United States should be enraged, in my opinion, over this decision to allow non-citizens to vote in New York City. Now, we'll see how it plays out. It's clearly against the New York State Constitution. It clearly flies in the face of the United States Constitution. But when has that stopped the Democrats, right? They don't really always care about those things. So I think it's critically important that we keep our eyes on this. We put the pressure that needs to be put on. We bring it to court. We sue who we have to sue because this is not something that we can take lying down. America has to rise up in the face of this and say, you know what, enough's enough. And it seems like Hispanic voters, Latinos, are doing just that, saying, I don't like your term, Latinx. I don't want to be called what you want to be called. Half of us like Trump, half of us like whatever. At the end of the day, I think we're all Americans, and that's how we need to look at this. And it, to me, it's, it's a great thing, switching gears quickly, back to Jesse Smollett, that justice was served, justice was done. We were able to achieve a good thing here. 
He was brash in his lies in saying he was attacked by guys, Nigerian men, two large black men, bodybuilders, that he hired to attack him and pour bleach on him and put a noose on him and lie and say it was two white guys with MAGA hats on. Whatever his intent was, whether it was to fuel a race war or not, whatever Larry Krasner's intent is, which is to destroy the city, destroy home values, let the Republicans come in, clean it up, and they could make money on the way up, perhaps. Maybe they buy everything cheap while the city's in disarray and then they make money when Republicans are in office. Who knows? Bottom line is we can't allow that stuff to continue happening. People have to keep their eye on the ball because if we stand for nothing, we'll fall for anything. That's Hamilton. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. So now's the time for you to rise up and do something. As always, I will share all of the articles that I read from today on the social media accounts that I have at Rich Valdez with an S at Rich Valdez with an S. Make sure you give it a follow. Check it out. Subscribe to the podcast. This is America with Rich Valdez. I'll be back with you guys next week right here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. And until then, make sure you check out the podcast. We'll be doing three episodes between now and then. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, I am Rich Valdez and this is America. This is America. In times like these, it's so important that we focus on the facts. I always tell you to focus on the facts. I think you hear that everywhere you go, and that's because facts are irrefutable. It's the bottom line. It's the real deal. And in times like this of uncertainty, we need to rely on the facts. I get my facts from JustFacts.com. That's F-A-C-T-S, JustFacts.com. Go to JustFacts.com and sign up for their newsletter, JustFacts.com forward slash rich. Just put my name in there and you'll get it for free. JustFacts.com slash Rich.